Thank you for tuning in to RadicCards.com. I'm your host, Patrick Greeno, and today we have Ryan Daly joining us again for this uh, episode, this podcast. Hey. Hey, Ryan. How's it going? Hey. Uh, everything's going well. Thanks for having me back. Yeah, of course. Of course. So, Ryan, you know, we got a couple of points to discuss here on this podcast. We're going to be talking about player performance and some movies. So this will be fun. Uh, let's jump right into it here. Point number one. Chris Bryant is the fastest player in Cubs history to reach 100 career home runs. What do you think about that? It's pretty insane. He's he's one of the many, many young, talented players that have lived up to the hype. And uh, he's fun to watch. I mean, I don't know who held that record before Chris Bryant in the Cubs franchise history. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's a hard thing to do. 100 career home runs. He's only got, I think um, – like three and a half professional careers under under his belt, so very impressive. Yeah, I remember in 2015 going to the National, and, and we were in Chicago, and he playing for the Cubs. Oh, yeah. It seemed like every booth had high end Chris Bryant stuff. I saw a black labeled um, blue refractor of his Bowman Chrome rookie. I thought that was pretty intense. But the price tag was obnoxiously large but i just remember seeing an abundance of stuff available for him almost anything you can think of less certain pieces like the super fractor and whatever else but yeah to your point he uh certainly has lived up to the hype which i have always felt has been almost impossible um to live up to in, in any capacity because the hype is often so so much so big that it's like it's it's like when your friend tells you about a movie you should go see and he he just tells you it's going to be amazing it's just you should go see it it'll change your life he just builds this thing up so when you go yeah. see it you're almost instantly let down because you've built up this this yep. huge monumental un unachievable goal of being just blown away by this thing back in when liar liar came out that movie with jim carrey in the yeah. 90s, I, I saw that with a friend, and he had been harping on me about going to see it because it was so funny. And when I got there, I was kind of bummed out because I, I it kind of <laughs> ruined it for me. I was like <laughs> expecting yeah. so much, you know, to walk away it's with funny, a changed but man. But I was like, dude, it's like, why would you do that to somebody? I just feel like, dude, yeah, it's a good movie. You should go check it out. I'm like, whatever. Like, I almost feel like the less emphasis you place on the value of something, the more probable a high return will become because the, the goals attainment it, it becomes more of a possibility than an impossibility does that make sense makes total sense and um i mean chris bryant definitely had huge expectations for him going back several years and for him to come out on such a historic team in such a huge market and just be so dominant is it's very impressive, mm -hmm. and I think in like 20 years he's probably going to be the face of the franchise of the of the modern Cubs um, teams that are currently being built. So, I currently don't own any Chris Bryant cards. I don't plan on buying anything just because the market has always been insane and it's currently insane. Mm -hmm. So, do you own anything for him? I have, but I've sold it all. <laughs> when, yeah, in 2015, the uh, you know I picked up a few pieces at the show. Um, with the specific intention of getting them in the hands of other collectors, you know, and, and 
Um, I, I don't prospect. I, I generally, it's weird. I have this project that I've been working on recently, which is collecting uh, rookie cards of guys I like but don't collect, right? I don't really collect these guys, but I like these cards. Um, and they're rookie era cards. So they're like prospect years leading up to their rookie year. And uh, mm-hmm. per, with print runs of 25 or less, like that's been my thing, you know? So I generally get these guys cards well after the hype is cooled off. You know, they're like, they're like utility players at this point or they're, you know, they've had their heyday and now they're just, you know, being shuffled around from team to team, but they're known as being these like great utility players, you know? And so sure, I tend not to go and jump on this quote unquote bandwagon of hype because usually out of the gate, the prices are so gnarly that you get to a point where like, dude, I can't just to get a base card is like, it could be $10. Like, and if you want a parallel, just forget it. So I, I tend to wait until this kind of hype cools. And then I look for something that would kind of fit really well into my collection based on a specific set of criteria parameters. And so Chris Bryant, you know, although it's been a couple of years, three years, um, I'm still not in a place where I feel comfortable enough to get something of his. And honestly, there's so much available. Like, what, which one do I get? I prefer to go to the stuff that's not autographed, but there's you know a lot of that. Um, and so I, I, I haven't made a purchase for my own collection for Mr. Chris Bryant, but who's to say what's going to happen tomorrow, you know? True. Yeah, I, I kind of feel the same way. And um, I don't have any plans to purchase any Chris Bryant. Um but, you know, for those that did prospect him, I'm sure they're very happy right now, to say the least. Yeah, I mean, you know, there are guys that that came up. I mean, I feel like most of the time, the hype is impossible to meet, right? Like, I see it sure. more often than not that guys come up, they're hot for a minute, and they get injured, and then they're out, and nobody cares, you know? Um, and then they come back, and they're great again, but there's, I see this more frequently. I feel like... You know, or they they turn into flops, which is, happens a lot less now than it did say in the '90s. But because um, people are being pulled into the market for different reasons than they are now. Now, now the markets are more analytical based, right? Like probabilities and things like statistics. Whereas you know, in the past, it was based on maybe more trivial trivialities, if you will. And so, um, I feel like the chance of a flop is much less now. But I oftentimes feel like the the chances of a flop is still exists in some capacity. Granted, we've had guys come up recently that have been awesome for you know a long time. You know, uh, 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 Bryce Harper is a good one. Mike Trout it was steadily steady steady from the get go, but there wasn't a lot of hype surrounding him. You know, at the time, our focus was on guys like you know uh, Brennan Bosch and. Uh, Gosh, I can't even remember now. Guys that were popular in 2010 that like have, I maybe even Arlis Chapman, Dustin Ackley was in that that mix. Like guys that were, um, you know, um, thought to be these next superstars, and some of them aren't even playing baseball anymore. Granted, Chapman is, and he's great, um, mm-hmm. but but Dustin Ackley <laughs> is is far removed. He's no longer in, in baseball anymore. But we've got guys that come up like you know, like I said, Harper and Trout, and they're doing great. And Chris Bryant added to the mix, awesome. And we got the Otani guy who's playing this year. Great, but he's in the middle of the hype right now, right? He's like playing um 
his best game right now, but he's doing it because he's he's talented and no other reason, right? And so I hope that he can keep that up, and I hope that Chris Bryant can keep it up too. Now, if he's been playing for three years and he's already at 100, you can start to calculate what that could look like, right? So does that mean, you know, uh, if it took three years to get to 100, it'll take uh, another, what, 21 years to break Barry Bonds' record? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I think um, he's he's well on his way to at least a a four or five hundred mark, and uh, I mean if he continues to play for the Cubs, Wrigley Field I think is generally considered a hitter's park, mm-hmm. and it's easy to kind of crank him out of there. So that plays to his advantage. Um, so yeah. I th- I would say four or five hundred home runs is definitely in the ballpark. I don't know about Barry Bonds' record. Maybe if he starts juicing and he has a couple seventy home run seasons, he might he might get there. But uh, <laughs> I, I think the, I mean, four or five hundred is still very impressive, and he's really? well on his way to do that. So yeah, I you know I I, I think it's going to be a rare occurrence for us to see it's something in the seventies again per per year. I oh mean, yeah, even in the sixties is exceedingly rare, um, and so. Um, you know, I, I don't know what could happen, but if he keeps it up, a natural course of aging is that at some point you start to decline in performance. You don't see spikes unless there's something suspicious happening, right? Um, True. So as the, cor- at, you know, the course of aging is just natural decline in performance with almost anything that you do. But good stuff. I'm glad we got to talk about that. Chris Bryant, fastest player in Cubs history to reach 100 career home runs. And he's only been playing at the professional level since 2015. 15, 16, 17, and now 18. This is his fourth professional year. So uh, who knows? It'll probably, if we go at this rate, it'll obviously take him, you know, less time to reach those numbers. But uh, uh, hopefully he can continue uh, on that same path. So good stuff. Awesome. You want to take it away with point two? Sure. Ozzy Albies, uh, young phenom. Once again, we're talking about these young guys in baseball. Um, Playing for one of the younger teams in baseball, the Atlanta Braves. Really fun team to watch. Uh, I think they're still in first place as of today. I didn't check the standings this morning, mm-hmm. but um, they sort of surprised everybody. I think everybody knew that they had a lot of young talent, but um, it was just that. It was young, sort of unproven talent, and they've sort of ran away with that division. Um, everything is clicking, and Ozzy Albee is, is um, sort of leading the charge. Mm-hmm. Um and <laughs> youngest Braves player to hit a grand slam since Andrew Jones. And if you're being compared to a guy like Andrew Jones, you know you're doing something right. Yeah. Andrew Jones, man, what a guy. I, I remember back in 95 hearing about him in the Bowman's best set, and I remember never being able to afford his rookie card. And, gosh, it wasn't until to the 2012 National where I got one finally. So, I had, you know, so many years had passed and I was I had finally gotten the Andrew Jones Bowman's best card from '95. You know Andrew Jones is is and I, I talked about this in the blog post. You know I have like you know reasons for or against him making the Hall of Fame, and he was he was a great fielder. You know he's just a really good fielder, and it's been you know 21 years since somebody on that organization that young has hit a grand slam. I mean that's those are rare instances, right? Like being that young and hitting a grand slam like th- those are like very rare combinations of situations and um i i don't know a lot about this 
Ozzy Albies, but I know that he and Ronald Acuna are are pairing up together on this team, and they tend to, they seem to be making a pretty good uh, 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 duo for the Braves this year. Yeah, and, and Albies, I mean, he already has 13 home runs, which off the top of my head, that's got to be top five in baseball, considering we're only uh, like 42, 43 games into the season mm-hmm. at this point. And, I mean, at this point, he's looking at Rookie of the Year status in the National League. Mm-hmm. So I sort of kick myself for at least not picking up some base cards of his because his stuff has already has always been very sought after. And um, ne- even now, it's just going to be even more insane. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've been really tracking his stuff, uh, but uh, it's certainly something to keep in mind for just reference purposes, you know, and, and, and it's my hope that guys, you know, pairs like this rookie pairs like this, that perform at this level uh, can continue because it really brings an element of entertainment to watching and listening and reading about games. And so absolutely really excited about that. I'm glad we got to talk about this because um, it's fun to hear Andrew Jones's name brought up in conversation even now. Um, mm-hmm. people are comparing young talent on the Braves with somebody like Andrew Jones, who was, uh, really thought to be the next Roberto Clemente when he came on the scene. Uh, so good stuff. Awesome. I'm glad we got to, to talk about Acuna a little bit and Albis. So awesome. Awesome. Moving on to point three, we have, uh, Ryan's going to take this point away. Actually, uh, Robinson Cano suspended 80 games for drug policy violation. Yeah, he got, um, I think he got hit in the wrist by a pitch. And I'm sure when they took him down into the clubhouse to examine him and on the doctors got their hands on him, that's when they found this uh, substance in his body. And I guess it was uh, some sort of drug that you take to mask the use of steroids. And that's how they found him. But it's just, it completely baffles me as someone who's such a veteran like Cano is to not only use steroids, but get caught using steroids. It's just really insane to me. (laughs) And he's sort of one of the bright spots in the Mariners lineup. And that's going to be a really tough blow for them going forward. I mean, 80 games is uh, obviously that's half the season. So if they are in postseason contention, he'll be a nice little addition when he comes out of that suspension but it's going to be hard to even get to that point without him. Yeah, he's a he's a performer. I mean, he's he's been at this since 05. He's 35 years old now. I mean, his credentials, eight-time All-Star, two-time Gold Glove, All-Star MVP, five-time Silver Slugger, 2009 World Series. He's been on the Yankees. Uh spent a good chunk of his career on the Yankees. Now he's 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 a veteran with the Seattle Mariners. Mariners. You know, I I have this conversation with another friend of mine, you know, he believes that all baseball players are on steroids. Really? (laughs) You know, and, and, you know, he, there's, there's some, I think some merit to that argument. It's not completely impossible to believe something as grandiose as that, but I don't think that everybody is anything, right? I'm not that generalizing, you know, the only generalization I think is each, each one of us are humans. Outside of that, like, I can't really make any generalizations. So I can't subscribe to the thought that every baseball player takes steroids. But in order to stay 
relevant and to keep your job, you need to maintain at a certain level. And the only way to do that in some capacities is to, if, if everybody else is taking it, you have to kind of sort of take it too, right? It's like you have to maintain that, that, that uh, same level of performance. And, you know, steroids help you do that. Because if, if you're in a team where everybody else is taking steroids and they're all better than you because of it, they're not, not natural, then, you know, why wouldn't you be able to do that too? Because even no matter how hard you perform, if you're not taking the steroids, you're not going to perform as well as the next guy in the same position that, that, that is taking them. Then they're going to offer him the job and not you, you know? And so to keep your contract, to stay on teams, um, the argument is that just to maintain, um, uh, you know, steroids can help you do that. And also they help you heal faster. You know, there's an argument around uh, the value of steroids in these capacities. Granted, I'm not saying that steroids are a good thing to take. What I'm saying is that is that the reason why players take them are be- that there, there are certain valid reasons why they're, 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 they're selected to be taken. I'm not saying that they're a good thing to take. You know, they're very damaging on the body. Long-term effects are very negative. Um, but it gives you the ability to perform at the same level that everybody else is performing at because let's say everybody else is, is, is taking steroids for the sake of conversation. Then you have to be in that ballpark taking the steroids to even play at that same level. Well, that's the classic argument when people talk about Bonds and McGuire, um, is that back in the late nineties, everybody was juicing and, uh, they were able to, you know, hit a bunch of home runs off these other pitchers that were all bulked up and juicing. So mm-hmm. it's kind of a level playing field a little bit. I mean, it's obviously not a very transparent issue. We don't know who was juicing. And I mean, those guys actually were never officially caught by MLB. It was just so obvious to a lot of people that we all think of them as juicers now. Um, Who's that? So Bonds and, and McGuire. Well, McGuire has come forward. He he admitted it, right? I mean, that's that's old news. He's he's admitted it, but they were never actually officially caught and then suspended, and you know they went never went through the whole the process. thing during their playing career. Yeah. Um. So yeah, Cano being caught, and one interesting thing about Cano, and this this might mean something, it might not, but Cano obviously came up with the Yankees, and the last two big suspensions we've seen from steroids with Andy Pettit. And uh, Alex Rodriguez, they all play together on the Yankees. It's a little bit of a coincidence there. Well, I mean, that's the whole argument you can make with Ricky Henderson playing with Jose Canseco and Mark McGuire on the Oakland Mark, Athletics yep. in the in the eighties. And yep. then if you look at some of the pictures of Ricky Henderson in the early nineties, the guy is like a monster. Mm-hmm. Like he's completely ripped. You know, a little and muscle muscle monster. He's huge, and so like he got into the Hall of Fame, but like. I guess the Hall of Fame is not a perfect science. I mean, not like nothing is. So, you know, there, there are going to be some add-ins that maybe shouldn't be there. I'm not saying Ricky Henderson shouldn't be there because I don't have any proof to back up these these kinds of things. And I'm not claiming that he took steroids. I'm just saying that if you're going to make the argument for Robinson Cano playing on the New York Yankees the same time that um, Andy Pettit and Alex Rodriguez played on the Yankees and they got caught with steroids, then you have to kind of sort of follow that same logic with Ricky Henderson, Mark McGuire, and Jose Canseco all being on the A's together in the 80s, right? Yep, yeah, and, uh, you know, speaking of the Hall of Fame, um, 
Cano, I think, was on his way to Hall of Fame consideration, mm-hmm. and this is going to be a huge knock against him. I mean, he already has monster numbers. Mm-hmm. He's going to play for probably four or five more years. Um, so who knows what's going to happen during those years, but... Uh, well, actually, you know, it's it's kind of a bummer for his Hall of Fame potential. He's got he's signed through 2023 and he's free agency in 2024. There you go. So he's going to be around for a while. His, his yeah, career, he is. Career average is above 300 after you know, so far 14 years into his career. And by the way, I'm getting my data off of baseballreference.com. But, you know, I, I think that um, someone like Cano, I used to, okay, so. <laughs> Let's 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 review this for a minute. Back about I would say in 2005, um, I used to think that. Well, it actually did. When you take steroids and you get caught for them, and you're a professional star, it tampers your collectability, and it does. I've noticed that. Like guys like uh, recently, guys like D. Gordon, you know, uh, his collectability has gone down. Uh, back in you know when Bonds got caught, his collectability for rookie cards uh, went down. Uh, Mark McGuire stuff went down. Jose Canseco stuff has gone down. Really amazing rookie card stuff has has gone down. But you know surprisingly, Roger Clemens stuff has gone up. You know, and but it was he was never officially proven guilty of taking steroids. He went through the whole process and whatever else. Right. Um, but that all ended, I think, in 2012. And it was, it was, it was charges were dropped. And I think that it, it just was proven that he didn't take whatever the case. His stuff has actually gone up in value over the course of time. And now that may be related to the fact that high grade stuff from the junk wax era, um, especially proprietarily, uh, you know, released sets like the Fleer Update 84 set, and they made a limited quantity and centering issues and whatever else. Um, those have gone up in value over time because of, you know, obviously we have a conversation about quality control, not being as hot. So finding centered clean copies is actually very rare. Um, and so, you know, PSA 10 stuff from 85, 84 is actually harder to harder to find than say 87, 88, where there's, they printed a bajillion of every card. So, um, and you know, Conseco and, uh, well, McGuire would be 85, but you know, rookie year stuff is 87. Uh, so he's in those like, like prime of junk wax era stuff. But, um, mm-hmm. I just noticed like Rafael Palmero is a 3,500 guy and his stuff doesn't have any collectability. It's very low anyway. Nope. Uh, it's very, very low. Um, and that may be due because of his, I think it was perjury lying under, under oath. And so, yeah, he lied to Congress. I right. Think. So <laughs> that, that doesn't help collectability, but you've no. got like a lot of these kind of superstar type players that, you know, once they're. They have like their their personal brand is tainted, then their collectability is is reduced significantly, you know. And yeah. it's the hope that Cano stuff can stick around a little while before people don't adopt and buy into his stuff. Because I there's that argument that if you're in steroids, there's no chance of getting the Hall of Fame. But you know, the Hall of Fame admissions committee that that those groups that group of people that turns over after a while, and the new group will be in, and they're gonna have to they're gonna manage it. And are they gonna have the same set of paradigms that the previous group had are they going are they going to start letting some of these guys in like knowing that they took and do the asterisk thing that we all talk about like oh asterisk means you know he, he had to help you know however you want to put that um so cano right. 
yeah, Cano, he's he's a superstar, and and you know, um, he's probably loved by a lot of fans in New York and now Seattle. So this is kind of a it's a ding. I mean, eighty games is a lot. It's the same amount of games that D, D Gordon got suspended for when he got uh, caught for PEDs a couple of years back. Yeah, I think it's that's kind of the standard suspension now if you get mm-hmm. caught, and at least for your first offense. Mm-hmm. Uh, 2003 tops traded. I was looking at sold listings. That's one of the stronger Cano cards to get. Um, just the 2003 stuff in general for Cano. Mm -hmm. Uh, I personally don't own any Robinson Cano cards, at least from that year. Um, I, and I suppose if you're in the market now is the best time to buy. Um, but I certainly won't be touching it. I would touch it at the right price. Oh yeah, some, some <laughs> I mean, why not? It, it, why not? Like, like you know, it, it, like I'm looking on eBay right now. Like the it's really cool 2003 Topps Chrome traded X Fractor number 25. I mean, there's that whole perceived value, actual value thing, and a lot of this stuff is based on perceived value. I'm not gonna pay three grand for this card ever, but if a guy has it for like 125, you know, like I might buy, you know, <laughs> because. There, there are certain times when like the price makes sense, but after a certain threshold, it's like, sorry, dude, I'm not going to pay any more than that. Like, I, I at, yeah, at some yeah. point, it becomes overpriced. And Cano stuff, when I look for stuff being sold, it's I look for auction style listings starting low, or I look for pretty good, you know, I look for bin prices that are close to my threshold for certain cards. And 2003 is one of those years where there's no shortage of, you know, very nice pieces for the player that you're collecting. Between Topps Chrome, Bowman's Best, Bowman Chrome, uh, even Bowman Heritage, uh, there's just a whole, and all the different parallels that go into these things. There's a whole slew of variety for, for, for stuff to acquire. Um, I won't touch it until like, you know, maybe... I don't know, a year from now, I, w- I might look in a year and see where the market has has gone in the last year because this is all new information, right? So we have to kind of give the market right. time to, to, to adjust for that, you know, price inflation, price deflation, you know, changes in market values and things like that. Look in the, the whole economics arm of it. And so that's kind of how I tackle these things. I, I tend to not go for like stuff that's, that's uh, fl- fluffily marketed, if you will. And, and when I say that, I mean like, you know, using a lot of exclamation marks and capitals and wows in your titles and descriptions just because you think it's really cool doesn't mean everybody else does. Just because you think it's worth $3,000 doesn't mean the market's willing to bear $3,000. And what that also tells me right. is that you're okay sitting on it for years and years and years into perpetuity and not selling it. I see this all the time on eBay. And so um, I would be interested in something from 2003 from him. Absolutely. It would be great to have this X-Fractor, but it's just nowhere near. We're so far apart. It's nowhere near the price range I'd pay for it. Good stuff, though. Yeah, really good stuff. I mean, I, I wish the best for the Mariners. I hope they can stay competitive without him. Mm-hmm. It's going to be a big hole to fill. Um, and I hope that he's learned his lesson. <laughs> Gosh, you know, it's, it's okay. Well, you, you got to Okay. Here's a, here's a team that's, uh, well, I guess they're losing Ichiro, right? Cause yeah, they lost him. They lost he him. He wasn't really 
he was there wasn't really a whole lot to lose there anyways but he he he's uh you know um he's he went back to the mariners right before he retired and he retired with yeah. them so he lost them now they're, he's they're losing their their other better player which is keno and so you've got <laughs> you've got a real problem for the seattle mariners so not only do steroids hurt your own body they hurt your team because when you're caught you leave and your yeah. team can no longer depend on you to be there to field grounders or whatever else you do to make sure that the other the opposing team's yep. not getting getting runs. Yeah, so very selfish. It's extremely selfish, you know. It, it, it's really upsetting, and, and it's really too bad. And it's I think it's going to hurt the Seattle Mariners' chances of, of you know, um, making it, you know, uh, putting a dent in, in in their in their year. It's going to be really uh, suffering for them. That's really upsetting. 80 games yeah. is, is a sting, man. It really is. Oh, well. Yeah, well, can you do just watch, right? Yep. <laughs> could buy old, like, uh, could buy Robinson Cano cards that aren't from 2003. <laughs> that's true. There's a lot of stuff out there that's not so rookie much. stuff. So much. So. Cool, man. Let's finish it off here. We've got a, uh, this last point's kind of an interesting one. Uh, for those of you listening uh, and you're in your 30s, you probably remember these movies. And if you're not, then go rent them or find them or I could rent. What is this? 1998? Stream them. <laughs> Stream them. Go find a way to watch these movies. Um, so movies I grew up with, right? You know, my, some of my favorites, Field of Dreams, Sandlot, um, Eight Men Out, The Natural. These are like some of the movies I, I just absolutely love. They're fantastic movies. But also other ones were really fun during those years, too. In 1993... Uh, a movie, Rookie of the Year, came out. You know, the kid who's he falls on his arm and all of a sudden he can throw the ball like a thousand miles an hour and he gets everybody out. And so they draft him with the Cubs and he's doing really, really well. And at the end of the movie, he falls on his arm again and now he, he, it corrected the problem. Now he can throw like a like a 12-year-old again. So, you know, he goes, he, <laughs> he retires from sports and he goes back to being a kid again. All right. That's essentially Rookie right. of the Year in a nutshell. So it's a cute movie. Fine. Uh, it's got the one guy, guy from American Pie playing a lead role, um, but um, yes, it's a it's a fun movie. And then you've got this other movie that came out the following summer. Uh, it came out in, in in 1994, Little Big League. Okay, you got this kid whose grand grandpa owned the Twins, and then he passes away and passes on the, the team to the kid. And the kid goes up to the major leagues and manages the team. And at the end of the at the end of the, the movie, they realize that you know he's he's better off being a kid. And so he goes out. Talk about spoilers, right? I'm just ruining it for you guys who haven't seen these movies. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> so he goes back to being a kid, and the, you know the the team is managed by the professionals. Essentially, these are kind of the same movie, right? Yeah. You got these kids who go into the professional because some of some you know situation anomaly, and then at the end of the movie, they're going back to being kids again and handing the the, the baton over to the the, the professionals. But you get to see like the, the antics and slapstick comedy and this and that. They're actually very entertaining and endearing movies. They're a big part of my childhood, so I appreciate them. And you know, um, if 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 you're curious about about you know watching these movies about two separate twelve year olds essentially going into the big leagues, because that's really what's <laughs> happening. They're two separate twelve year olds going in and managing or doing right. something in the big leagues and. Um, I was doing like a retrospective of these two movies recently. I was thinking these are kind of the same movie. I mean, yeah. the situations are different. The cast is different. You know, the plot's kind of different because the one guy can pitch really fast. The other kid's managing the team. 
But really, if you look at the grand macro scheme of the thing, like you've essentially got kids in the major leagues that become kids again later. Like <laughs> that's yeah. awesome. But I think that in 93 and 94, um, if we rewind to those years, it was really at the the prime of uh, maybe the tail end of the junk wax era. And, you know, but the hobby was just really strong during these years. We had card shows at uh, ballrooms and hotels. Um, we had, I mean, this is pre-eBay, right? It predated sure. eBay by a year because eBay actually was founded in 95, but it didn't really take root until like 98. Like people were starting to yeah. really pick up on it three years later. But this predated eBay, which means it predated online marketing, which means it, 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 you know, it allowed us to like go to shows and go to shops and hope that we can find one or two cards to fit in our collections. And because of that, yep. we had thinner collections, but the stuff we had, we really cherished. And I really like that about it. You know, pre-internet kind of helped us enjoy our collections in a way that is in some ways unmatched. But as a longtime collector myself, I'm just glad to have an opportunity to access cards to get into my collection that are you know from all over the, the country i could say world because i've bought stuff from taiwan and canada and wherever else but uh um the card shops thing has become uh, very lean in comparison to where it was back in 93 and 94 and these movies remind me of that time you know I, and i'm you know i'm in I'm an adult. I'm a grown man, and so I. But I, I, I will sometimes watch these movies because they remind me of a different time in my life. Even though they're very juvenile in a lot of ways and very young, but um, I just wanted to kind of t touch on that because you know I think some of my listeners will be of age to remember these movies and how they kind of connected with us as in our youth. Yeah, and I, I always think of these sort of quote-unquote kids sports movies like Angels in the Outfield is another one I think oh, of, yeah. uh, Bad News Bears, which is older but still sort of in the same category. They're a lot better than they needed to be. Um, I mean, because on paper all you have is just a sort of silly story about a kid playing sports. But um, the production value and the directing and the acting, it's all like actually pretty amazing. And it makes these movies – very rewatchable, even as adults. Yeah, yeah, truly. And I actually, of the two, I prefer Little Big League because I, I feel like the character quality is a little bit more entertaining for me. Like, it was a little bit more comedy arm in, in there yeah. that, that that works really well. I mean, there's that scene where the kid's, like, <laughs> trying to solve a word problem, like, in the... In the um, the locker room and all the other team members are trying to trying to solve it with them. And they're, they're coming up with these different, like funny <laughs> results, these funny solutions. And I, I just really found that really entertaining for me. Rookie of the year has parts that are also entertaining, but I feel it's a somewhat more serious movie. You've got the one uh, pitcher played by Gary Busey. Who's like, Gary a sort Busey. Of, yeah, he's, he's, he's hey, Gary Busey, dude. And he's played, he's played by, uh, he's, he plays like a kind of almost like a has been pitcher in the movie, but he's idolized by this kid. And sure. so um, it's a little bit more serious of an angle. Little big league takes on this like entertainment thing. You got the one big muscly guy that wears the leather jackets and wraps his chew and bubble gum. I mean, it's really, there's some funny scenes in that movie. I, I like that. And even as I've gotten older, if I watched that movie again, I would still get a kick out of some of these scenes. 
and you know to the tone it's just like a fun like just a fun thing to watch it's just a fun movie um it's like like why i still enjoy sandlot you know it's just a fun movie every time i watch it i'm reminded of being you know this young kid version of myself watching it for the first time and it was just such an important part of my youth um but anyway, I just wanted to touch on those two movies because I thought they, they have very they have very parallel similarities in a lot of ways. Absolutely. Well, that actually covers our podcast for tonight. I hope that you enjoyed some of this dialogue, if not all of it. Um, and if you have some comments you want to share, post a comment below or wherever you're reading this, whether it be YouTube or the blog. And um, thanks for listening. Thank you for Ryan Daly. Do you have any final thoughts? No, I think we covered everything. Really fun week in baseball. Um, it's been a really fun season. If I had more bandwidth to watch games, I'd be watching Ozzy Albies and the Braves because mm-hmm. they're really amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you're looking for a team to follow this season, uh, Braves would be my top recommendation. Um, but yeah, as far as this week goes, I think we've covered it. Yeah, it's been fun. It's uh, it's always fun to, to, to catch up on some of these, these uh, highlights. Thanks, Ryan, for joining us. Really appreciate that, bud. Yeah, man. Thanks for having me. You're welcome. Thank you for listening and uh, tuning in to Radicars.com. And until next time, enjoy collecting. If you like this content, please subscribe. Thank you. Enjoy collecting. <laughs>